It, uh, it was a hot August afternoon. Uh, it was a Friday, and I'm pulling into the Publix up where we live. It's about a mile from our house, and I'm pulling into the Publix to run in there real quickly to get a few things. And I noticed this elderly lady about like two parking spaces over, and it was like a click in the back of my brain that, you know, I don't know that everything's okay. And so I walk over to this lady, and I said to her, are you okay? And she starts crying. I have that effect on women, so that's, <laughs> that, that's nothing unusual. So, so I, and, and she said, I can't find my car. And I said, okay, we, we can do this. We, we, I got this. Um, what kind of car do you have? And she pulls out a key, and it's a Honda key, not the clicker, just the key. And I said, okay, you've got a Honda. Is it a Honda Accord? And she goes, uh-huh. I said, what color is it? She said, now she's crying. I don't know. And so now I realize we got some dementia, some Alzheimer's has kicked in. But I can't find my parking place all the time either. So I, 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 but anyway, there's a problem. And I said, you know what? I said, we'll find your car. And so I started, if you know where this Publix is, I started where Varsity Club is with this woman. And I began sticking that key in 15 different Honda Accords. I I just know the SWAT team is going to show up at any minute, and I'm going to jail. So we started at Varsity Club, and we swept the parking lot, and we went all the way back to about where Pinch a Penny is, and not a single car door unlocked. And it's hot, and I'm sweating, and she's sweating. And so I take her inside of Publix, find one of the lady uh, female assistant managers. I said, why don't you go through her purse and see if there's anything in there that might help us. And sure enough, there was a note inside the purse. And the nurse, the the note said, you know, this is my mother. She sometimes gets lost. In case she gets lost, would you call me? This is my cell phone number. So I call the daughter. She's very happy, you know, to come out there to help and glad and all that stuff. And the mother had parked the car at the SunTrust Bank forgot where she'd parked, and came into Publix just to get a couple things. Now, I tell you that story because we've all had some of those experiences where we've helped somebody. And we've all had people that have come into our lives, and they have helped us in just, in just a great way. In fact, if we had time, and I, I gave you like a sheet of paper, and I said, tell me all the people who like helped you in elementary school or in middle school or, or if you're older than that, in high school, or, you, you would have a list. You and I would have a list of, of teachers, coaches, grandparents, parents. We'd have a whole list of people who have helped us to, to, to be where we are today. In fact, as I thought about this, I thought about like today at my age, I got so many different men and, and my wife and, and elders. I got so many different men helping me to do what I'm doing. I thought my list today is even longer than when I was in high school. And so we, we all recognize the fact that, that we, we have people who have come alongside of us to help us to be successful at whatever it is, whether it's a student or or, or work or a mom or dad. We have all these people around us who are trying to help us. That's the whole point of this message series. The whole point of this message series is God's Holy Spirit has come alongside of you and he comes to live inside of you to help you. 
Jesus said, it's for your good that I go away, because if I go away, I will send the helper, and he will give you counsel, and he will give you great advice. Now, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was like sporadic. There were a few sprinkles, there were a few raindrops of the Holy Spirit, like every decade or so, and the Holy Spirit would like speak through like Jeremiah or Isaiah, like like one dude. But in the New Testament... The Holy Spirit goes from a few sprinkles to a fire hose. And this fire hose is now poured out on on all of us. And so Jesus' words, it's for your good that I go away, because if I go away, I will send to you the helper, and he's come to help you. We've got two little verses this morning. And they're in Romans chapter 8, and it's Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and verse 27, and they're, they're, they, they, they mess with you. These are two verses that will mess with you because you're not quite sure what they mean, although you know it's like these are really, really important. And so this is going to mess with us this morning, and so I'm going to share these verses a couple different times and unpack this. So here it is, Romans chapter 8. In the same way... Why don't we just do this out loud together, okay? I know it's Labor Day weekend and you're wanting to rest, but let's, let's, let's lean in just a little bit. Out loud together, here we go. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Verse 27, here we go, out loud. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So here are two little verses that tell you and me God wants to help you. God wants to come alongside of you. God's going to help you understand his will, and he's going to pray for you. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel. That makes me feel good. To know that God's Spirit Himself is going to be praying for you because I've got weaknesses and, and, and you, you've got weaknesses. And so we, we begin to think about, well like, well, like I thought I became a Christian and I thought I've got the Spirit. You, are you still telling me that I have weaknesses in my life? And the answer to that is, is, yes, you do. You see, there's like two sides of the cross And on this side of the cross, you're not a Christian. On this side of the cross, it's not what you have. It's what you don't have. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. On this side of the cross, you are saved. On this side of the cross, you are a Christian. And there's sometimes the perception that on this side of the cross, we never have problems anymore. Like, we eat Lucky Charms all the time, and we just ride unicorns, and we just sing happy songs, zippity-doo-dah, zippity-yay, and everything's wonderful. But that doesn't fit because we all know that there are people on this side of the cross who are more messed up than people on this side of the cross. Now, how does that happen? Because all that really happens is, is we went from being saved from the penalty of sin, but we just brought the presence of sin to this side with us. And so God's saying to you, I want to make you strong. I've got an agenda for every boy, every girl, every man, every woman. If you're 12 years old, I have an agenda for your future. And so God's Holy Spirit has come to live inside of you and has come to help you and transform you. And so why are we still weak? 
And why is it that like week after week, we still leave church weak? Can we be strong? Can we be strong? Can we live a victorious Christian life each and every day? That's the challenge for us in in our lives. Now, we all know that we struggle. I mean, every one of us in this room can relate to this. There's been a date. There's been a night. There's been a day. There's been a homecoming. There's been a business trip. There's been some event in our life where the presence of God is like the last thing that we want at that moment. We don't really want the presence of God because at that moment... We are driving towards sin. We've bought a bus ticket to sin. We've bought plane tickets to sin. We got a whole weekend of sin. I mean, we got sin in the back seat. I'm not really sure what her last name is, but just looking at her, she looks like sin, okay? I got sin on ice. We got sin-packed stuff up underneath the seats, and we're just praying the popo won't stop us, because if he does, we're going to jail for a long, long time, Right? At that moment, when you are driving towards sin, and you're a believer, you're a a Christian, but at that moment when you are driving toward a whole weekend of sin, the last thing you're going to do is reach for the Christian radio station, turn up the dial and say, I just need some more of that praise and worship music just coming in the car right now. Let me get some of that Chris Tomlin thing going on. Anybody in in the car know um, first verse of Amazing Grace? Let's hold hands and sing that together. You don't do that, do you? Why? And yet the Spirit of God inside of you is going, ding, 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 ding. This is wrong. This is not going to work. This is not going to end well for you. And we all know that. And so Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and verse 27, he says to us this. He says, look, the Spirit's going to help you. You still struggle. And the Spirit wants you to be successful spiritually. The Spirit has an agenda for your life. And God's not going to just leave this up to you to fulfill. He helps us in our weaknesses. We we sometimes don't even know what we ought to pray for. Haven't you been there? In such a fog, relationally, such confusion, vocationally, such consternation medically. I don't even know what to do. I don't even know how to go forward. God, I don't know how to go. I don't even know how to fall forward. And yet to me, this is cool that the spirit of God inside of you is now interceding for you when you're not even quite sure what to ask for. He helps us. We don't even know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself, God himself, is praying for you deeply, passionately. The next verse. And he who searches our hearts, if there's anybody that can search our hearts, it's the Spirit of God. He who searches our hearts, he knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit, again, here's that word, intercedes for God's people. The Spirit is praying for God's people in accordance, this is just so neat, in accordance with the will of God. And so the question this morning is not why does the Spirit do this. I think we all get that. We know why. Because the Spirit of God wants you and me to live for Him. I want to say something else real, real quickly here. The hardest thing for us as American Christians 
is to realize that our job is not to get the Holy Spirit in on our deal. Come bless me, come help me, come give me, come make, it, make my life better. The Holy Spirit of God is going, I have an agenda for you. I want you to fulfill the goals and values that, that I have. And that's so hard for us. But the Holy Spirit of God has a plan for your life. So it's not a why question. It's a how question. It's not why does the Holy Spirit do this. The question is more like, like how. So I've got three quick little fill-ins, and then we're going to make some applications. So if you've got your notes, you've got a bulletin, turn to somebody beside you and say, you really need to write this down. I can, I can tell by the look on your face, you need this. Here we go, number one. The Spirit asks for requests that we didn't even know how to ask for. I just think that is so cool. You know, like when your kid's small and and they're asking for something that's the wrong thing to ask for, you know it's the wrong thing to give them, and you don't give it to them because you know it's the wrong timing to do that? The, the, The Spirit's the same way. Sometimes you don't even know what to ask for. Number two, because of weaknesses, and we're all weak, it doesn't matter why we're weak. It doesn't matter if you know, it's how we were parented. It doesn't matter if we've made a bunch of bad decisions. It doesn't matter if we've been innocent victims, but other people have impacted us. It doesn't matter why. There are all kinds of reasons why, but the Spirit now, He jumps in. He jumps in. And number three, look at number three. The Spirit lines us up with God's will. You'll never have the Spirit leading us to a place outside of God's will. Never. God's will and God's spirit, they always work in tandem um, together. Okay. Now we're running out of time with this series, and today's the last day for this particular series. And so I'm going to come back some other time and talk about how the Holy Spirit has emotions. Because there's some great verses that talk about how you and I can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And Ephesians talks about us grieving God's Spirit. Now remember, again, last week we talked about when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit now lives inside of you. He like takes over your human spirit. But you still have a mind, a will, and emotion. And so the Holy Spirit's trying to line up your mind, your will, your emotions with the Spirit of God. And when you and I don't do that, when we lie and steal and cheat and do all the things that we're not supposed to do, we actually grieve. So the Holy Spirit has emotions. That's another sermon for another day. But what I want us to get this morning is the Holy Spirit has a will. Maybe write that on your notes if you want to. But I want, you to, I want us all to grasp, to grasp today that the Holy Spirit has a will for your life, a will for your family, a will for your business, a will for your school. The Holy Spirit has a will for your life. Now, I'm going to give you examples of how he prevents something and how he opens a door for something because he does, he does both in your life. Here's the one on preventing. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 says this. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept. Another translation uses the word forbid. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit. Who kept them from preaching the word in the province of Asia? The Holy Spirit. Now you think to yourself, my goodness, why would God not want them to go to the province of Asia? Why would God not want them to go preach right there and there? Because God has a will. 
The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit knows better than Paul and his companions. So in Acts 16, verse 6, here's an example where the Holy Spirit said, no, not right now. No, I don't want you to go there. Now you think about that for your own life. How the Holy Spirit can come into your life and prevent you from doing something that might look really good, but the Holy Spirit's telling you no. Here's another example now in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Here's an example where the Holy Spirit opens a door. Look at this. Now, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. So here's just the opposite example of that in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, where the Holy Spirit is opening a door. He, he does both in your life. The Holy Spirit closes doors and the Holy Spirit opens doors. Now, let me say this. There is a general will of God, and there is a very specific will of God. The general will of God for your life is always in the Bible. There's a general will of God. But the specific will of God always comes to you by the Spirit. I'm going to explain that in just a second. But before I do, the question would be is, well, does he have the power and the authority then to specifically guide my life? Well, Paul in the book of Ephesians, he answers that question. So Ephesians chapter 1, here's some verses from, from the letter to the, to the Ephesians, number 1. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And look at this next part. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. This is kind of what we talked about last week, another verse that supports that. When you became a Christian, your human spirit got immersed by his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit now takes over your human spirit. Look at that verse. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. Every time the Father looks upon you, he sees the seal. Now that's jump a pew and slap your mama kind of preaching right there. <laughs> you didn't get any better than that. Every time God sees you, can you delete that from the, from the, every time God sees you, he sees his Holy Spirit. It's like all sealed up. The promised Holy Spirit. Look at the next verse. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom. See, the Holy Spirit's going to give you wisdom, spirit of revelation, and so that you may also, that you can know him better. You want to be stronger? He's going to give you a spirit. Look at the next verse. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And his incomparably great power. There's our word today. Instead of weakness, he gives us great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength, verse 20, he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right. In other words, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now living in you. The same power that had the authority to raise Christ from the dead has the authority to prevent you from doing this and open doors for you to do that. Chapter 3 of Ephesians says this. I pray then, because all this is true, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Where? In your inner being. Next verse. 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. That's your soul, your mind, your will, your emotion. All this lines up with last week. If you missed last week, go on and podcast it. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, not weakness. I want you to be strong together with all the saints, the God's holy people, to grasp how wide, long, high, deep in his love of Christ. Verse, verse 19. And I want you to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then verse 20 says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. You see, I, I think God's Holy Spirit is, works like a stoplight in your life. Very first ticket I ever got, Denise and I were dating. I was in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I ran a red light, and I ran the red light. How many of you in the room have run red lights? How many of you in the room have got tickets for running red lights? How many of you in the room have run red lights, but you should have got a ticket? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I, a lot of sinners in the room uh, this morning. Just a few years ago, it was 4.45 in the morning here, and we were in Safety Harbor, and Danita was in the passenger seat, and I'm driving, and I'm going to stop. I'm going fishing. I am going fishing, and that light will not. i got to meet Jim Just Sr. at 5 o'clock in the morning, and that light will not change. And then it, then it skipped us. It skipped a cycle, and I, it was more than I could take. <laughs> I looked left. I looked right, and I drove right through that baby. And Denise says, I cannot believe you just did that. I said, honey, the Lord understands. <laughs> he does. Totally understands. I should have got a ticket, and I shouldn't have done that. Trust me on that. But, but the, there's a general will of God, and there's a specific will of God. You see, the general will of God is always in the Bible, the specific will of God, though, is always in the Spirit. So, so for instance, the, the general will of God, let's just take marriage. The Bible talks all about marriage. That's the general will of God. The general will of God is marriage. But the specific will of God is whom to marry. The, the general will of God talks about parenting, talks a lot about parenting in the Bible. But, but the specific will of God through the Spirit is going to tell you how to parent. We've got three kids. They're all different. And the Spirit has revealed to us different ways of parenting them. And you see, the Spirit of God, then that specific will of God, I think it's just like a stoplight. I think God is coming to you specifically, and he will prevent you from preaching in Asia like, like he did in Acts chapter 16, verse 6. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, he opened a door. He opened a door for them to come and speak. And so in your life, God is, God is going to tell you, no, I don't want you to go, to business, go into business with him. Well, yeah, you could go into business with him. That's not a great idea. I asked the first service what yellow meant. Nobody, they were stumbling all over the place. We all know what this is. It means, we all know what this is. It means, what does this mean? Uh-huh. See, same thing. That's why we got so many tickets in this country, isn't it? This means speed up. Some woman told me. She says, I can't repeat what she said. She says, go like, and I can't tell you how, how, how it ended. But speed up was, was her point. God's coming to you. God's coming to you with relationships. Don't text him back. Don't call her back. I'm telling you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Great, great, great idea. 
You want to go work where? No, 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 that's not a good idea. No. Well, you, 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 yeah, that, that's where I want you to work. See how God works in your life? And so God is just like, I think the Holy Spirit, my best analogy, is like a stoplight. There are times when God says to you, no, 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 no. There's times when he's saying to you, not a great idea, not a real good idea. Go, 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 go. And God works with you relationally. God works with you vocationally. God works with you. I mean, you just think about this. Think about this. You're, you're driving along the road, and you're not even thinking about your girlfriend who lives two states over. You're not even thinking about her. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit tells you to pray for her. And you call her up two days later. And two days later, she says, man, you know, 2 o'clock on Friday, I was just really struggling with a decision. And you go back in your mind, and you realize, Whew, 2 o'clock on Friday? That's when God told you to pray for her. And you did. God tells you to encourage one another. And all of a sudden, you're not even thinking about him, but God's Spirit says, I want you to send him an email. I want you to send him a text. Maybe even on your own prayer list. We all, we all know we're supposed to pray for one another. We all, we all get that. That's the general will of God is to pray for one another. But the Spirit of God will lead you on how to pray for other people. I got a whole list of people that I pray for in the morning time, and sometimes I just sit there for a second until God tells me how to pray for them. God wants to reveal this to you and to me. And so we have the general will of God. That's the Word of God. But we also have the specifics, and that comes to us through the amazing Spirit of God. So I, I want to I wrap this up with a couple of verses, all in Romans chapter 8. I want to read those two little key verses again and kind of finish the chapter. So here we go. Romans chapter um, 8, verse 26. Well, and even before I do this, though, I need to tell you this. Because you see, the way to get in on this is, is you've got to listen. You have to listen. And so I don't know what you need to do to listen to God's Spirit. Maybe turn the radio off. Maybe turn the TV off. Maybe get out of Facebook. I don't know. Turn the computer down. Well, what, but, but you've got to listen, and then you obey. The key is you have to obey. So God's Spirit wants to speak to you, and he wants to give you amazing insight and amazing clarity and amazing direction in your life. But, but then the key is we have to listen We listen to the Spirit of God, and then we obey. We obey. And and, and I I think you know a little bit more when the Spirit's speaking to you than when you let on. I think the Spirit of God speaks to you a little more clearly than sometimes we want to acknowledge. It's not on top of a roof. It's not on top of a radio tower with a giant megaphone. It's more that... It's more that... Can't you just, and you kind of, it's that still, small voice, and there's clarity, and and you know it's God. Here's what he says. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't even know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts, he knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. 
we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose what then shall we say in response to these things if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. No one condemns. Would it be Christ Jesus who died? More than that, who was raised to life? The one who's at the right hand of God and who is also praying for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? No. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.